study, if you saw the email today, we're going to work through, it's, it's actually some material that I, I got from one of our pastors, a new pastor in our association. He's done an entire study on this stuff, so I'm using his material as a guide, and uh, we're just going to work through this, and it's, it's called Being Baptist. And so we're going to learn about Baptist history, we're going to learn about, you know, what do we believe as Baptist. Uh, because, and I'm not going to share the information he shared on this regard, but he did some surveys himself and, and found that um, I ought to do it. I ought to bring it in here and let y'all fill it out. But it was like less than 50%. Or it might have been in the 20s. I was like, a, everybody failed the test, basically. Um, he only had like eight multiple choice and then a few, I don't know if it was true, false, or whatever, maybe 10 or 12 questions on there. But, but it was just basic about, about some of the things we believe, what are the core things that make us Baptist. You know, people ask sometimes, well, why do we have different denominations? Well, there's different denominations because we believe different things, and there's different things we focus on. And so, you know, I'm a Baptist because I believe, I believe that the Baptists as a whole are, are most in line with Scripture. That, that's why I'm a Baptist. Um, there's some key things that, that, we, that we believe as Baptists. Now, I'm, I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit, but every, even in that, there's a, there's a whole bunch of differences we'll see tonight. But anyway, I got like 15 pages of notes, so I know we're not going to get through this tonight. But this and next week will be kind of an introduction to this, and then we'll get into the, 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 the doctrinal t- distinctives of being Baptist. We'll, we'll work through that, and then we'll, at the end, we'll spend more time on the history side of this. Um, so that's where we're going to be. So I, I, I was going to do a handout, but I don't, it, it, there wasn't really a whole lot of information. Maybe I can do a recap next week to give you uh, on where we're at. But, uh, so we're just going to work through this on being Baptist. So lesson one of this is our course orientation and overview. And the verse that, that kind of goes with this is Psalm 61.5. It says, For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Now, we as believers, there's a, there's a line of believers behind us. There are a line of those who have kept the faith going, have continued to share their faith and see others come to faith and kept things moving forward so that, so that there's a witness for us. And we've got to do the same thing. Amen. We've got to continue to share the truth. We've got to continue to share the gospel and, and to uphold truth so that, that this goes forward. Pastor Aaron and I were talking in the office about this this afternoon. You know, in 10 years, this church, I mean, in the five years I've been here, the five and a half years I've been here, this church is totally different than it was five and a half years ago. Totally different than it was, I'm sure, 10 years ago. But if we fast forward 10 years, it, it's going to look a whole lot different. Dave, Dave, me and you, me and you gonna be on the way out, man. Ten more years. That's scary. I think, you know, in ten years I'll be sixty-five. If the Lord leaves me here, I'll be sixty-five. Raymond will be I'm not gonna say. He might get mad. He'll be he'll be pushing I think he's about four years older than me, I think. Three maybe. So he'll be he'll be sixty-eight or sixty-nine or something. We're gonna be old. We're gonna be older. Okay, so not old, older. Not old, older. Amen. Older. Listen, I remember. How many remember when thirty was old? How many of you in here remember think thirty's old now? Some of you are going, that's old now. I remember when I remember when I was in high school and in church there, and the youth workers they were thirty years old, and I went. 
you've been out of high school longer than I will be in high, you know, in school. All the, the 12, you've been out of school longer than I've been in school or will be in school. And I was like, just go ahead and kick dirt on them. I mean, 30 years old, give up the ghost. You guys are done. Things change with perspective, right? So we, we've got to protect the heritage. So here's the lesson goal. Here's what we want to accomplish tonight, and, and, and we'll, we'll look at what we're going to do through the class. So to set, we want to set forth the biblical and historical reasons why learning the doctrinal distinctives and history of Baptist is important to those Christians who are part of the Baptist faith tradition. If, if I ask tonight, how many of you really know, if you saw, how many of you saw the email I sent today? All right, a lot of you did. So those questions I ask in there, how many of you know the distinctives of being a Baptist? You really know, a few of you, a few of you do. If someone asks you, why do you go, why are you a Baptist? Do you, do you have an answer? Or you go, well, that's just the church I like. Or, you know, Cliff didn't set out to be a Baptist. No. Cliff, Cliff, Cliff was a Lutheran. He was a Lutheran, and, and he, he saw the light, you know, and God got a hold to his heart, and he got right with the Lord. But he came here, and he loved the church. And, and I, I remember you were talking about, was it, was it the informality of the church that didn't, you didn't like it first? I'm talking about the negatives right now. What did you, there was something you didn't like. Didn't like the music. Yeah. He didn't like he didn't like the God honoring worshipful music. He didn't like that. But there's a differences in styles. Okay, so we have to be careful we don't get caught up in styles and go. Oh, I pray God that ain't that ain't godly right there because because it can be godly and it can be high music you know and, and stuff and, it, and you can worship in that. But it, but that was a little offsetting when he got here. But the church was so warm and welcoming. That he goes, man, I, I love it. So how many of you experienced that? That's right. That's right. That's right. Now, I think music's very important. Yes. But it's not the... It, 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 there's a, listen, there's a lot of things I'll tolerate. I got my preferences. You got preferences, Trish? You got preferences? We got preferences. But I got things I'll tolerate that it's a little wider. But when it comes to the reason I come to church is for the Word of God. I mean, if the Word of God's being preached and taught, the music is secondary for me. It... it I can tolerate a lot of different things um, and have tolerated a lot of different things. But it comes down to the Word of God. Is the Word of God being taught? Is it being true to the Scriptures? And that's, that's the most important thing. So it's important to understand why we're Baptists. And that's what I hope. So there weren't many hands that went up when we we're talking about this. So, so, you know, what would you share? Why am, why am I a Baptist? You know, why are, why are you a Baptist? Why do you go to a Baptist church? Because there is a... In some groups out there, that's the Baptists don't have the greatest reputation. I don't know where that, what's that. What's that? What's going on over there, Peanut Gallery? Yeah, it doesn't have the best reputation sometimes, but um, some of it's earned and some of it's, you know, not. But the problems we have, everybody has. Problems we have as Baptists, everybody's got them because it's people problems and it's. Sin problems. That's where the problems come from. So most people in America have at least heard of the Southern Baptist, uh, Southern Baptist Convention. Most people have heard of that, the SBC. Okay, so that would be, you'd be hard-fetched to find somebody that's at all knowledgeable at all about religion or churches and stuff that have not at least heard of the SBC. 
Um, it's the second largest Christian denomination, if, if you call us a denomination. And there's some ways you look at that. I guess we are a denomination, but it's not like, it's, it's so different what the SBC is. It's so different than, than Presbyterian or, or Methodists that have a hierarchy where the, the, the hierarchy actually oversees the church. Um, a, a church like the Methodist church here, they would, someone up further up would t- send a pastor to them, tell them who's going to go pastor there, move them around that way. Where we are an autonomous church. That's the, one of the distinctives of Baptist is we're autonomous and we voluntarily associate. Our, our, our association with Southern Baptist, Southern Baptist didn't come down here and start a church 150 years ago. A man that loved the Lord came down here and started a church. And at some point, and I, I don't know when, I, I could probably do the research and find out when we joined the Southern Baptist Convention. But the church changed the name somewhere in the 40s or 50s. Anybody that was in, just in the class remember? I never can remember the date. But we, we changed from, um, from Geneva Baptist Church to First Baptist Church of Geneva. And I figured that's got to be when we went to Southern Baptist because that's a big Southern Baptist indicator. Is the first, I, and I don't like it, honestly. I'm just being honest. I don't like the name First Baptist Church of wherever. It, it's so, I mean, everybody's, every little town's got the First Baptist. How about just be Geneva Baptist Church? You know, that's pretty, that kind of tells where we are, who we are, right? Uh, we'll t- you want to vote on that? No, okay. <laughs> um, so anyway, second largest denomination in America behind, behind the Roman Catholic Church, okay? So we're huge. Southern Baptist is huge. Yet beyond that, have y'all heard, have any of you heard of the National Baptist Convention? We're Southern Baptists, so we, we know about that. But there's the National Baptist Convention. There's a Baptist Association of America. There's general regular Baptist churches. There's American Baptist churches. There are American Baptist Association, uh, which are landmark Baptists. I'm not going to get into that tonight. We'll talk more about what the landmark Baptists believe. Uh, and then there's independent Baptists. So independent Baptists basically would be... It would be us if we said we're no longer going to be Southern Baptists. We're not going to associate with the Southern Baptists. We're just going to be non-affiliated. We're, we're, not, we're just an independent church out here, and, we, and it stands alone. We are an independent church. We are an independent church now. Glenn Rogers is our area missionary. Glenn doesn't come down here and tell us how to run the church. He didn't tell us what programs to do. He didn't tell us how, you know, none of that. So we volunteer. They, you know, the, they need us more than we need them, Right. So they need us, and then we collect, we work together, we pool resources to try to do great things to share the gospel and spread the gospel and do the Great Commission. Um, so there's independent Baptist uh, churches all over America with no associational affiliation. Then if you leave the borders of America, you've, there are, maybe you've heard of these, there's Baptist Union of Great Britain, if you've heard of that. There's the Baptist Union of Sweden. There's the Association of Regular Baptist Churches in Canada. There's the Canadian Convention of Southern Baptist Churches. How would you like to have to say that a lot? Canadian Convention of Southern Baptist Churches. There were uh, out in Utah, if anybody's been out there, there are a lot of, um, man, I wish Gina was in here because I ain't going to be able to remember. There were, uh, there were Southern Baptist Churches, but they had a different name. They had something, it seemed like there was something that preceded it. It was something Southern Baptist Church. And uh, so I'm assuming they're Southern Baptists, but it was just a strange name, something I'd never seen before. 
If we were to take a full inventory, we'd find that at least 30 separate groups of Baptist churches, that there are at least 30 separate groups of, Southern Bapt- uh, or, or of, of Baptist churches in the United States, of different, different groups. Independent Baptists. If you're familiar with the Independent Baptists, just to give you an example, they may be non-affiliated, but they have their little circles. John MacArthur's church, I don't know, they're, they're, an, they're a, uh, it's a non-denominational church, but they have circles that they would run in as an independent church. They would have their own circles of churches that they would kind of somewhat associate with. And, and, this, and the independent Baptists kind of have the same thing, and they kind of, that kind of launches out of schools. So this school, you know, Pensacola Christian, it's independent school, independent Baptist school. So a lot of the guys that would go out there, there would be a network that's kind of networked kind of through that school. There's Crown College up in, in uh, Tennessee. There's a, I think it's Landmark Baptist uh, or Landmark something out in Missouri, maybe. And so there's some of those Landmark Baptists there. We'll talk, we'll talk more about them. So there's a whole lot of different groups of Baptists, all right? Um, and there's over 200 such groups, nation, uh, not nationwide, but worldwide. So statistically, about one in every five people in the United States is estimated to attend at least occasionally a Baptist church or identify themselves as being Baptist. And that's not, that, that doesn't shock me. One in five. So 20% of the country either has occasionally, occasionally attends or they identify as Baptist. Um, though estimates vary due to the independent nature of Baptist congregations and the lack of official church hierarchies, there are somewhere between 75 and 100 million Baptists worldwide with about 35 million in the U.S. And that's a, that's a really low number, but, you, but we're, we're just one of many different um, denominations. But 35 million in a country of what I don't know how many we got now, 700 million in here with all that have come across the border in the last couple of years. Uh, I think we're around 340 or 350, 340 or 350, but we may be double that now. Who knows? We don't have a count. We don't know where they're at. Um, that's not political. It's not political. It's just stupid. Shouldn't say stupid from the pulpit, preacher. You're right. Okay, kids, don't say that word. All right, if there's any in here. Uh, Now consider the diversity of famous people who have claimed to some degree to be to a Baptist heritage. So Presidents Warren uh, Warren G. Harding, Harry Truman. We're still embarrassed about this in Georgia, but Jimmy Carter, uh, Bill Clinton. Really embarrassed about that. And, And then Mr. Lockbox himself, Al Gore. Uh, claimed, claimed Baptist, and I, I wish we could just erase that. I wish they'd quit telling people that. Uh, many famous athletes claim Baptist affiliation. Jim Brown, the famous running back, was Baptist. George Foreman and all his sons, George, 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 and George, and George. Um, they're Baptist. There have even been a few famous actors and musicians who've claimed Baptist affiliation. Lucille Ball, Johnny Cash, Glenn Campbell, Warren Beatty, and Kevin Costner. That's kind of surprising. Remember, there's a whole lot of bands of Baptists. In the business world, department store founder J.C. Penney, J.L. Kraft of Mac and Cheese fame uh, was Baptist. John D. Rockefeller of Standard Oil, uh, all of these were Baptist. And then Clyde Barrow. Anybody know who Clyde Barrow is? Was? 
Bonnie and Clyde, yeah, of Bonnie and Clyde infamy. He claimed, he claimed to be a Baptist. We don't know where he was. He claimed, he claimed to be a Baptist. He might have been a Baptist. I'm not sure he was a Christian, but he might have been a Baptist. Um, then we can also count several historical Baptists of note, such as John Bunyan, uh, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, Charles Spurgeon, uh, Pastor London's famed Metropolitan Tabernacle. He was the Prince of Pe- uh, Preachers. And just an incredible writer, just an incredible theologian all the way around. Just an incredible man, uh, Charles Spurgeon. So I'm glad he was one of us. So that's a good one there. Then there are some, some, some other renowned Baptists of more modern times. Martin Luther King Jr., Jerry Falwell. Uh, you know, Falwell, I think, got a bad rap a lot of times with folks. Falwell did a great work. He really did. Uh, Billy Graham, Charles Stanley, and Adrian Rogers. How many of you know Adrian Rogers? How many of you have never heard Adrian Rogers? You need to go online and listen to Adrian Rogers. You can get an app from your phone. Love worth finding? Yes. Yeah. I get it on Spotify. Adrian Rogers was just one of the best. Just one of the best. He's, he may be my favorite. Then today we've got David Jeremiah, and then it depends on what you look at with John MacArthur. Because if you look it up, his church is a, is a non-denominational, non-affiliated church. But you look up online and it shows him as a, not a Southern Baptist, but some other type of Baptist, which I'm not even sure. But I, he's not SBC, but I'm not sure exactly what he would identify as or what he says he is or what he is. I don't, I don't really know. But he, I think he is Baptist. He's Baptistic and is certainly in his, in his beliefs. Uh, so then the question comes out, how could all of these people be Baptists? They're all so different from one another. And uh, there may be also the innocent inquiry as to why um, are there so many diverse Baptist groups? If we're all Baptists, then, then why are there so many different flavors of Baptist? You know, there's ice cream, you know, ice cream. But there's, there's a whole lot more now than 31 flavors. There's a whole lot of flavors. And there's a lot more flavors than that in the Baptist world. And um, so that's the questions that we want to answer as we go through this study of, of being Baptist. With a great number of Baptists and the rich diversity that carries the Baptist label, we have a large heritage to explore in the next several weeks. And so tonight's lesson, we're going to present a basic overview and a course study. So first thing, then, the, the, the next thing we'll look at is this course content. And this study will offer a very broad overview of Baptist history. Not going to get deep in the woods. So if you're like, oh, that's going to be boring. I hope it's not going to be boring. I, th- I hope what we'll cover won't bore you to death when we talk about the history because it's going to be a, mm, maybe not 30,000 feet, but maybe 15,000 feet. We're going we're to get up a, a little bit and look at it from an overview. Um, and it's going to help us to develop a better appreciation of our Baptist heritage. It will also provide a summary of the distinctive doctrines that identify us as Baptist Christians. After taking this course of study, you should be able to better understand or, or better answer anyone who asks you the question, why are you a Baptist? And folks, it really is important. I, and that's why I'm, I'm going to take the time to teach through this. Because as Baptists in this church, it's important we understand why we are Baptists. What, what do we believe as Baptists? Um, so why this study? Well, the Bible commands us that it commands to know that we're to know who we are. So the scriptures tell us this. So we'll get to that in a second. But American author Michael Crichton wrote in his fictional work Timeline, it's, there's a line in there that says, Professor Johnston often said that if you don't know history, you don't know anything. 
If uh, you were a leaf that didn't know it was part of a tree. That's a great line. And and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, when you relate that to us, you know, it'd be a shame for us to be a a leaf in here and not understand where we came from. What, What is our heritage? What does it mean? What's the rich heritage of being a Baptist? And what are the things that we believe that make us that way? So relating the literary nugget to the study, we may rightly say that many Christians do not realize that there are actually several biblical commands and principles that challenge us to know our spiritual ancestry and honor the spiritual legacy of those who have gone before us in the faith. In that sense, it is evident that Christians should know their godly heritage, how they fit in the tree of God's family. However, this idea is even more appropriate when we consider that Scripture indicates in numerous places that the people of God should know what they believe as well as remember those who went before them in the faith, thus delivering Christianity to each succeeding generation. It's important. And you think about, you think about the Jews, and, and you look at what they, they, they verbally, they memorized and verbally passed down the, the Scriptures for, for a long time. And they, they, would, they would memorize whole books. We struggle with some passages, and they would memorize whole books and hand those down. But they understood the importance of passing down that history. I praise God today that they did that then because of what they handed to us in our spiritual heritage of understanding where we came from. Our goal for this course of study then is first of all to realize that the Bible teaches that believers ought to know and understand Christian doctrine and the people, places, and events that have helped shape their spiritual heritage. This is true in the broadest sense within the profession, uh, professing church of Jesus Christ. Uh, through our focus, uh, though our focus will be on the distinctive history and doctrinal beliefs of Baptist Christians, since those are who we are. I mean, that's who we are, and that's what we're going to focus on. The, 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 the doctrinal beliefs that we're going to look at, a lot of this, there are a lot of Christians, a lot of different denominations will believe things that we believe. But there's a, there's a reason that we, that there's the distinctions that we have as Baptists, and that's what we're going to look on. Now, numerous scripture texts provide the biblical basis for this class. For the purpose of the course of study, we highlight five of them. Um, five passages. Deuteronomy 4. If you want to write these down, you can go back and read them later because I'm not going to read the whole passage. There's large chunks of, of scripture here. But Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 through 40. Now, chapter 4 opens with, Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I pr- teach you to observe. Listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. So Moses is essentially saying to them, he says, You have heard again how God led your nation in the past, how he preserved you and prepared you, and now build on that knowledge, understand what he wants you to do to fulfill the promises he gave to you about occupying the land. This is what he told you. This is what he did. This is how he's prepared you. Know that. Understand that. Folks, when we look back, often it gives us focus for going forward. Amen? Give me an example. Why it's important to look back and know. Uh, Have any of you ever rowed a boat? So you row uh, row backwards, right? Now, kayaks are different, but like a, a rowboat, you row backwards. And so the question then is, how do you row that boat straight? How do you, how do you keep it from getting off? Because you're not watching where you're going. 
So the key is when you row in that way, that you've seen the rowers on the rivers and stuff, the, they'll pick a point, like I'd pick, I'm looking at Claire, and they would focus on that point in the past, and they row, and they keep that point, they focus on that one point there. They keep their focus. There's something in the past. You know, so what are some of the things we focus on to keep us moving forward in the right way? Salvation. You focus on your salvation. If, if, if you've been saved, you focus on that. And when you have tough days, you remember that. You remember those key times in your life when God brought you through something. Uh, probably we could go around the room and mention miracle moments in our life where we look back now and we see God's hand all over that situation. What do we do? We look back to that. Because it empowers us, it gives us, it gives us encouragement going forward. This is what God did. This is what the word promises. So I can go forward knowing that. It gives me, it gives me drive going forward. Though this speaks to the overarching principle that both history and doctrine are important benchmarks in the lives of God's people, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Believers are, war- are warned from the failures and mistakes seen in the history of Israel and the church, but they're also encouraged by the victories God gave. Amen? You know, when we, when we, what's your favorite story in the Old Testament? Somebody give me a favorite story. Daniel in the lion's den. Why? God saved him. And so what does that do for you when, you when you read that story and you meditate on that story? What does that do for you today? I don't think I'll ever go through the trial that Daniel did, but I know God will be with me. He's going, he was with him, right? So he was with him in that. So we, we you know, the, the, the three Hebrew boys, right? Yes. In, the, in the fiery furnace. Same thing. There were four. There were three Hebrew boys. There was a fourth in there. So the Lord was with them in the fire. So that was to them. But what does that, what does that how does that help me today? Does it help us today? God, that's great. God doesn't change. Same God that got in the fire with them will walk through the fire with you. Amen? So there's, there's, when we look back to the scriptures, there's something there that we can, we can learn from. We can learn from the failures. David. David, man after God's own heart. But where was David when he should have been off at battle? He, 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 he lingered, right? He should have been with the men at battle. It was a time they go off to war. David stayed behind. And he's out on the balcony. And, and mm, I have a hard time believing he just happened to be out there. He just happened to be out there at that time of day. He, he, you know, we, we were really good at navigating things. Oh, you know what? It's a great time of day to go outside. I don't know. He doesn't say it, but I have a, I have a strong inkling that he had pro- she'd, he'd probably seen her there before. Had an idea maybe. I don't know. Not out of, it's not out of place when you're out of place. Right? That, that wouldn't be strange to think that when he was already not where he should have been. So what do we learn from that? We learn from that. Make good decisions. Make good decisions. Be where you're supposed to be. 
Be doing what you're supposed to be doing. Don't get distracted. Don't get lazy. Don't get complacent. So there's some things from that that we can learn and look back on and go, you know what? I don't want to make the mistakes he made. So we can be encouraged by the things from the past. We can be, we can be convicted and challenged and, 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 and uh, you know, warned about failures and mistakes. Psalm 44, verse 1 through 8. Verse 1 says, We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days, in the days of old. A study of this psalm supports our focus by demonstrating that the songs and hymns of ancient Israel taught the people that God expected them to remember and cherish their history and heritage. It was important. It was important. Listen, you go to Israel today, they still remember their history. That's one of the problems I think we have. We, I don't any problem I think we have. It's definitely a problem we have today because we've got a, a whole slew of liberal loonies that don't want people to know the history of our nation. They don't want people to know how our country was founded. They don't want to know about the, 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 the faith foundation that our nation has, the Christian heritage of our country. They don't want them to know that. So let's not teach any of those things. You go to Israel... One of the places that we visit on our trip to Israel, we go to Masada. Didn't get to go last time. We're going next time. We will be going to Masada. But we go up on top of Masada. And the, the Israelis, all of the kids that are coming out of high school have to serve, I think it's two years that they serve in the military. I think it's great. And they teach them. And one of the things they do, I think at the end of like basic, their basic training part, they take them up on top of Masada. And they tell them the story of what happened there when the Jews went up on Masada and the Romans were chasing them. These were zealous Jews. And, and they went up there and they basically locked themselves up on this mesa. There was no way for the Romans to get to them. And the Romans said, well, we'll just wait them out. Well, they couldn't wait them out. They had water. They were getting water up there. They were growing food. They were... And so the, the Romans built a land bridge. They started piling up rocks. And for years, they built this land bridge to get up to the top of Masada. And when they got up there, they, they busted the wall and they go over and what do they find? All the Jews that were there were dead. And they had, they had it, was, it was suicide, but they, they did lottery type stuff where each family slit the throat of their loved ones. They all died and then somebody else slit. So no, only one guy actually killed himself, but none of them were going to be taken alive. And what they said was, we'll never be taken again. And they teach that today. And they teach the history of, 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 of the Nazis. They want them to understand their history so that going forward, it does not happen again. And so we look back to the Word of God, and we can learn from the Word of God. We learn from the truths of the past to help us in going forward. The spiritual principle carries over into the New Testament dispensation as well. That is that God's people of today should, be, uh, should also comprehend and revere their spiritual heritage as members of the body of Christ. We, we need to understand the, the, these journeys through our, our faith and not just the, the right here and right now. now this is important, we, but we need to know our history. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. This text gives another example of how, biblical, how a biblical writer, the Apostle Paul, used a combination of history and doctrine to instruct God's people, and in this, this case, the New Testament church, 
So recounting both righteous and unrighteous deeds of Old Testament Israel, he concluded here in verse 11, he says, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So Paul's even writing there, all the things that are recorded in the Scriptures, they're there for us to learn from. They're there for our admonition. We are to learn from the past. Don't forget the past. We've got, to, we've got to learn from this. So the idea Paul brings out here is that the church needs to know its spiritual history, not just to appreciate it, but in fact to learn from it so that the lessons may be applied to current circumstances of life. You know, one of the things that, that we could do a better job of, and I, and I try to do some of this, I try, I'm trying to learn more of this, but understanding Jewish the, the Jewish, under, just understanding the way it was before the church, understanding how Jews even today, how Jews think, how the, how the Jewish faith worked, understanding those things helps us because there's a lot of things that we read. You got to remember who these writers were. They were all Jews. They come out of Judaism. They had been saved, but they, a lot of the things they write, that movie that you shared about the, uh, before, what was the name of the, the movie? Before the Wrath. And, and, and it, if you, if you may not have a clue in the world what I'm talking about, you could see them and get that, that movie. Um, it's excellent because it, it, there's things that we learn. Here's the problem we have sometimes. We view things through, all right, we talk about worldview, right? We talk about worldview. If we look at things from a worldly worldview, we're going to see it different than if we look at it through a biblical worldview, right? So the problem sometimes is we look at stuff, we look at it through... America, America, we're the, we're the most precious Christians ever, we're the most blessed, most special, we're the most righteous, we're America, where's America, you, you ever heard that, why don't we see America in Revelation, well what a self-centered, wow, attitude we have, well we ought to be in there, why, why, why should America be in there? If God wanted us in there, he'd, he'd make it very clear we're in there. We may be in there. We may not like the side we're on. Some of the scriptures, we need to go back and put on the glasses and see it from their perspective. What Paul, how Paul was writing, what he was saying, what he's picturing. Instead of seeing it in 2023, America, when you see it, lenses from back then. Make sense? All right, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Paul says, Paul says, Here that gifted individual, specifically pastors and teachers for, for, for our present age, are given to the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It's verse 12. So that we may um, mature in the faith, verse 13, and that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, verses 14 and 15. So we'll focus on two points uh, from this passage right here. Number one is the teaching, preaching, shepherding ministry of the church, uh, of the church by, by, by its God-gifted leaders is what will help produce spiritually mature uh, maturity in the saints and accomplish the work of the ministry as pointed out in verse 11. So God gives the teaching, the preaching, the shepherding. 
gives them to our job as pastors. Our job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That is our job, is to help you grow and learn so that you can do the ministry. Number two, the spiritual maturity thus attained will keep the saints from falling prey to false teaching as discussed in, in verse 14. So as, as the teaching, the, the oversight, the preaching, the teaching, the teachers that we have, all of that is designed to help you grow in your faith to a level of maturity that you're not, you're not easily deceived. You're not tossed to and fro because you know what the scriptures say. Look, you can't be deceived if you know what the word says. You know, that's the problem. You go back to the garden. Um, Eve, why was Eve deceived? It wasn't just, well, Eve was just, you know, she had a wicked heart and she, she was sinless. She didn't have a wicked heart wanting to just do evil. She was deceived. Now, who's to blame? But if you look at it, she misquoted Scripture. She misquoted, thus saith the Lord. She, she, as Satan just comes in, he denies this, brings doubt on that, just absolutely, you know, doubt and denial and all this stuff. And, uh, and, and, and so she didn't know the scripture well enough. Now, is, is that because Adam was a little lack, lackadaisical? Because God gave Adam, if you go back and read it, God gave Adam the instructions. Didn't give them to Eve. Gave them to Adam. Adam's job was to lead his home, which is the same job we men have today, to lead our homes. If you won't lead your home, then your wife may have to. That's not God's plan. He didn't, I don't know who, who's at fault. Either he didn't teach her well enough or she wasn't paying attention when class was in session. But either way, I, I, I throw it back on, on him. I, I do. As a, as a man, I throw it on him because he should have ensured that she knew. We teach kids to memorize scripture and we want them to do it word perfect. You ever heard that? Word perfect. Why? Because those words matter. They matter. You, put, you just twist a word here or use a different word there to totally change the meaning of a, of a passage. So she needed to know word perfect what God said. And she didn't. And so she was deceived. We need to know that so that we're not deceived. And that's, that's, the, that's the, the job and the goal of of myself and John and Raymond and Pastor Aaron and, and Todd and the other teachers that, that are uh, Philip now teaching his class. It is, to, it is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. And that you'll be, but, but it's not just here Wednesday night. It's not just here Sunday morning for two and a half hours, three hours. You, you ought to be at home in your book, reading, studying, meditating, friend of mine, Terry Medlin, I had breakfast with him yesterday morning. It was great. He was telling me he was reading the scripture and he came up on something. He said, I just stopped and shut my book. He said, I just read one phrase. And he said, I've had to chew on that phrase for two days. Because it, it, the Lord spoke to him. He said, I, got, I, got, I ain't going no further until I figured that out. And he did. That's where we ought to be. Don't just read it to check the box. Read it to get something out of it. People say, well, how much should I read? Well, you might read 10 chapters a day. Great. But if you don't get anything out of it, that's, that's not so profitable. If you read one verse and you really get something out of it, something that helps you in your walk, that's valuable. Get something out of it. Put, 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 put it, what's that? 
Amen. Amen. Okay. What phrase? What phrase? I don't remember. I didn't. I don't remember what he I don't remember what it was he said. I just know he said that and he said he chewed on it. I don't remember what it was. I don't remember. <laughs> All right, Terry, where's my phone? Terry, tell me that. Sorry, <laughs> Claire. Hey, I've I, I've slept since then and I'm yeah, so I didn't write it down. So that's <laughs> Sorry, I messed you up. You're messed up now. I don't know what he read. All right, so uh, obviously didn't get through that. Um, what about 